Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm your host. Thank you guys for joining us once again. This is a special episode because it is, in fact, the season finale of what is the first season of Missionary Roundtable, but the only one for the foreseeable future. Um, when we started this, I told you guys this was just a, a special project for this summer, um, and so I hope you've enjoyed it and have listened to all the episodes and that it has been encouraging to you um, and that you've learned something about international missions, and, and hopefully it's been challenging and convicting and and uh, encouraging all at the same time. But this is our last episode of this season for the foreseeable future, so we're excited to be with you guys again, and, and I hope once again, like I said, that you really enjoyed this uh, this year. We've covered many different aspects, regardless of who you are, whether you're a prospective missionary who's heading to the field or training to be a missionary, whether you're a church member, regardless of your walk of life and you're just faithfully serving in a good church, or maybe you're even a pastor and uh, hopefully you've gleaned some things listening to different missionaries and pastors talk about how they do missions, how they support missions and missionaries. I hope that regardless of where you're at in life and in your walk with Christ, uh, that you've been able to learn or glean something. Uh, Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm pretty excited for it. We're going to be doing something very practical and Uh, You might think at the beginning that this would only apply to a certain group of people, but I think it'll apply to more people uh, than you think. So um, I'll explain that here in just a second. Um, But what we're going to be talking about today is deputation. Uh, What deputation is, if you're not aware, it's, it's this fancy word. And I even tried to look up the origins of it, but I can't figure it out. I don't know where the word deputation comes from as it relates to missionary fundraising, but all it means, deputation, is that stage in a missionary's life where they aren't on the field yet, but they are in the States typically, you know, or wherever they're from, and they're going to churches and they're seeking support, monthly support, and raising their funds so that they can go to the field. It's called deputation typically in most church circles. And so we're going to be talking about deputation today from a practical standpoint and uh, give you some advice on deputation. And if you are a a missionary or going to be a missionary or or hope to be one someday, uh, I think this will be very helpful to you as I'm going to share some of my um, experiences and things that I've learned and some tips and advice that I've just learned from doing deputation. Um, and a lot of times people don't feel as candid, uh, like they can talk about that because they don't want, they don't, they don't want to offend anyone, of course. And I'm not going to try to do that today either, but they, they don't want to step on anyone's toes and make it sound like deputation is hard or something because they, you know, they need people to support their ministries. So hopefully today's casual and candid conversation will give you some, uh, advice, um, on the difficulties and the challenges of what deputation actually is. Um, and so what we're going to do today, I've actually brought in my friend Corey Van Sickle. Um, Corey has been my best friend since high school. Uh, we've grown up together. We've served at church together. We've, uh, we've uh, trained in ministry together for years. We've served together. And uh, I, myself, uh, have just finished up deputation and am looking at moving to the field here very, very soon. 
And Corey has been training his whole life to be in ministry um, and has been considering the possibility of missions. And so he is looking at potentially doing deputation himself very soon as well. And so I kind of thought, hey, maybe I'll bring Corey in and he can interview me so that, uh, you know, not only can I talk about some of the things that I've learned, but he can ask me questions coming maybe from the audience's perspective of, you know, maybe this is a question you would have about what deputation is. And so before I introduce him, let me just say, you know, maybe you're not going to be a missionary or, or you aren't a missionary and you're like, well, maybe I should just skip this episode. Now, l- let me, let me just say, this is obviously going to be a good episode for those who are starting deputation as missionaries or who will one day. But man, this is also going to be good for you if you're if you're a church member and you have missionaries into your church or you sit through those missionary presentations and you just never knew what that process was like behind the scenes. Just knowing what those missionaries go through and what they're doing during that stage of their life and ministry uh, will be very good for you and I think will help give you real tangible ways that you can pray for them and support them in that phase. And I think it's also going to be good for those of you out there who are pastors of churches Um just to know what it's like to be a missionary on on the road of fundraising. You know, I, I'm certainly not saying that you're not aware of what missionaries are doing, especially if you've been in ministry any length of time. Um, but maybe hearing it from the perspective of a mission a missionary who just just finished his deputation stage of ministry, um, I, I hope it'll be helpful and encouraging to you as well. So, without further ado, let me just introduce my friend and ministry partner Corey Vansickle. Thanks, Kale. It's good to be here. Hey, man, thanks. I just talked for like five minutes without giving you any word, but thanks for being here. I appreciate no it. No worries, man. <laughs> <laughs> we have done podcasts before together, so uh, Absolutely. This, we'll, we'll try to keep this as uh, not silly as possible, but I don't know. That is difficult for the two of us in, we'll, we'll in do a room best. with microphones. But yeah, if our wives were here, they would have been the laugh track for that. What we just said, like, yeah, that <laughs> right. good, good, good joke. We'll see if they can be serious, but, but no, you know, Corey and I have served for years together, um, in youth ministry specifically, but in all different kinds of ministries. And, right. uh, and so wh- why don't you, uh, just kind of introduce yourself to the people a little bit, you know, where you guys are at. And, um, you know, you were raised at our church at FBC, mm-hmm. just like I was came up through discipleship training, LFBI. Um, what, what has led you to the point to where you feel like, uh, or what led you to the point where you felt like God was calling you into vocational ministry, whether that's foreign missions or ministry here in the States? Sure. Well, I moved back uh, back home here in town after I graduated college. I got an engineering degree and started work as an engineer uh, at a local manufacturing company. Um, while I was working as an engineer, I just started serving at church, doing whatever I could to help out, started serving in youth ministry, like helping out with summer camp and stuff like that. And didn't take me long to figure out that like this whole work thing as an engineer, like that's fine, but like, I don't really feel fulfilled by it. Like I get a paycheck from it obviously. And that helps. Uh, but you know, I, I enjoy spending my time in ways that serve the Lord and in ways that I can see God make a difference in people's lives because of what he used me to do. Uh, and that sort of mindset was just rolling around in my head for quite a while. Uh, you know, like, started considering, well, maybe it would be cool if I could have a job someday where, where it's my job to serve God and my job to make a difference in people's lives. Um, because, you know, working a manufacturing job, that takes 40 hours a week, and, and that's, a lot of, that's a lot of time. And so, you know, just 
kind of praying about that and asking you God. You just wanted to devote more of your daily time to ministry right, right. than you were able to before. Because, you know, it became a thing where I would work, you know, eight hours a day for five days a week. And then in the evenings, most evenings, I would have something church-related to mm. do. Um, and that was just where my free time went. Mm. And, you know, it became a point where I realized, like, man, there's eight hours a day that I'm spending working at this at this company because I need to make money to, to, course, to live and yeah. pay my bills and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But what if there's a way where <laughs> I could make money doing this church stuff, doing all this ministry? What if there's a way I could make money doing that so I didn't have to mm-hmm. make money doing that and I can have more time to spend in ministry? Yeah, yeah. And, you know... It's a very that, spiritual calling to <laughs> full-time ministry. <laughs> well, that, that's that's what vocational ministry is. You know, it's just... Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it just got to the point where, like, I didn't hate my job per se you know there were things i didn't like about it like mm. any job oh, sure but like it just became i resented having to spend 40 hours a week making money so i could pay my bills mm. when i could be spending that time doing ministry sure um and so you know just praying about that so you went God. out and got a job as a pastor is what you're saying right then and there no i did not oh no. <laughs> okay so so are you saying sorry guys this is going to be a really sarcastic episode <laughs> i you know just just because Corey and i have known each other so long so what you're saying is that you followed the structure of your church and what they had set up for you yeah at the time <laughs> i was plugged into the discipleship ministry at church so i just kept doing that mm-hmm. and then when i finished that i started ministry tools and training a lot of churches call that d2 it's more of a classroom setting where you just learn how to be an effective minister and then that took two years mm-hmm. after after I had finished discipleship. And then once that was done, Living Faith Bible Institute was the next step. Mm-hmm. And so I had been taking classes with the Living Faith Bible Institute for four years before I finished and got all my credits for there so I could graduate. And now I'm at the point where like formal education is mm-hmm. kind of over. But, you know, in the middle of, of all of that, of learning how to be an effective minister, you know, just asking God like, okay, in what capacity do you want me to serve? Is vocational ministry an option for me? And mm-hmm. he sort of just directed me specifically through a missions conference, um, just that foreign missions is is where my heart's at. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we live in America, and God has blessed our country with churches that plant other churches, and, and you know, especially in different parts of the country, there are churches, you know, on every block. Like, you can... You can find the gospel. You can find God if you're looking for him in America. But there's countries where that's not the case, where Mm -hmm. they don't have churches, where they don't have people who are preaching the words of God so that people can know who God is and understand how to give their lives to him and how to start growing so that they can be used by him too. Mm -hmm. And that that was where God put my heart, was on foreign missions. And so that was, you know, seven, eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we often say in our circles that, you know, a call to missions or a call to ministry, really, in general, is a call to be prepared, right. or a call to preparation. Right. Uh, so it's it's not like, well, I, I feel like I have this burden, and so I need to go find the quickest way to do it. It's, it's well, no, you, God, I think, personally, and this could be a whole episode, so we won't go there, I think that God allows you to have a burden so you can see a glimpse of what he would have you to do to drive you to prepare. Right. Because absolutely. you're not ready for it right now. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready when I, you know, I years ago at a missions conference, I felt, I think, it was, was it the same one? We've talked about this before. In 2012? Yeah, yeah it I was think 2012. So, yeah. It was the same missions conference. Must have been something in the water. I don't right, know. right. But <laughs> um, it, it wasn't that I felt like God was saying, you're going to go to this country at this time. It, the call, quote unquote, if you would call it that for me was, Kale, I want you to be surrendered to whatever I would have you to do whenever, wherever. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first was fully surrendered. And then when I was fully submitted to God 
and was preparing. That's that's when God started to reveal slowly more and more to me his, right. his plan for my life. Yeah, and fortunately, you know, I, I've been going to FBC for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember. Like, I was a young child when I wasn't, and now we have, you know, Pastor mm-hmm. Jeff, who was a missionary. And so when I told him, like, hey, I want to be a missionary, he was like, okay, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, and right, so, right. <laughs> which which can be frustrating as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, whatever, absolutely. but it's the best answer now that we're, you know, more around the 30 age. It's, right, right. it's the best answer for a young kid. He's like, okay, great, keep being faithful where you're at, and God will use you. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're, you know, you're from a church that, that you don't know what this LFF, Living Faith Fellowship, is thing that we mention occasionally, um, you, you really need to get plugged into discipleship. That's an important thing. It's life on life, not just studying doctrines of the Bible and studying the Bible, which is a key facet of it, but also this life on life uh, transfer of wisdom and experience in walking with the Lord that Christ did with his disciples. And so our churches have this philosophy of discipleship that we also work with this program that's, you know, 17 or 18 lessons. Um, And that's a crucial and critical stepping stone. But also then further, maybe, you know, maybe you didn't have a formal discipleship program you went through, but you've, you're advanced in age or you've done that, you've walked with the Lord a long time. And, uh, and, but you've, you don't have a way to gain more training, man, would Go ahead and check out um, Living Faith Bible Institute, which is our fellowship's shared Bible institute. It's it's you could go to lfbi.org to find out more about it. It's basically a Bible institute that's done online that uh, doesn't have professors. Right. It has pastors who serve all over the country and are pastors and shepherds by trade and by calling. And they're teaching the classes, and they're following up, and they're helping you grow. And it's very very affordable. It has minimal fees just so that they can keep the website running basically. Um, and so if that's something that's interesting, you check it out. You can check out LFBI.org or you can check out more about our fellowship at LFFellowship.com. Yeah. And the best advice I can give anybody, if you're interested in missions, if you're wondering if, if, you know, that might be what God has for you, if you're starting to feel a burden for the people of the world, like the best advice I can give you is talk to your pastor Yeah, because, because your pastor knows you better than probably, you know, you. Um, and if he doesn't, then maybe it's time that he starts to know you and then how you do that is start to have this conversation with him about what God's mm-hmm. doing in your heart and what he's doing in your life and uh because God never calls when when God when God calls you you won't be the only person he calls yeah you know it, it's 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 your spiritual leader's responsibility to make sure that that your path of growth is what God would have it to be and so if God calls you to go to some other place um then he's going to let your pastors know he's going to let your church mm-hmm. know uh, because that's how God works. He's not the author yeah. of confusion. That's, that's how God speaks, by the way. Um, we don't hear him audibly today in this dispensation, but when God speaks, he uses three or four different means. He speaks through the Word of God, obviously, the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. that's in you, and he speaks through the church, the local church, and the leaders and elders of that church. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he can use circumstances as well, so I say three or four, but, but God is, like Corey said, not the author of confusion. And if you were to go look at Acts 13, 1 through 3, um, when God, the Holy Spirit says, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them unto. We've talked about that before in other mm-hmm. episodes briefly. Um, it, it's Go read it. It's in the context of the local church. The Holy Spirit talks to the local church, not just Paul. And and the whole congregation is fasting and praying and serving and, and agree that this is right. And so when all of those things, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the Church of God, and the circumstances all agree— well, then it's pretty obvious that you're called. But if right. you think you have this calling, and not only does your pastor not agree, but it's something that's 
has nothing to do with what the Word of God says that the Great Commission is, or the Holy Spirit isn't convicting anyone else that, that you're right, well, then maybe you should just take a step back and, and think about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that was a rabbit trail, but what you brought up, I think, was a really good point, Cor. Oh, thanks. But, um, so I don't know. Now, now that we've kind of introduced you, I'm actually going to hand the show over to Corey right. because he's, he's not our guest today. Actually, he's our guest host. And so I'm, I'm kind of the guest. So, so Corey is going to kind of interview me about this idea of deputation because I really, I, you know what, Corey, I met a lot of, uh, younger people, you know, younger than me in their, in their like, you know, late teens, early twenties or young adults who are like, Hey man, this is really cool. I, I think I might, would be interested in being a missionary someday. What is deputation? How do you do that? Like it's, it is kind of a mysterious thing, a nebulous thing that we don't talk about a lot. And I think the reason is, and this is just coming from experience. I think the reason is there's a lot of things that aren't so attractive about it that people don't want to talk about because then like, well, maybe we won't get any missionaries. (laughs) Right. You know? Well, and in some ways you're, you're right. Like it is sort of mystified, like, because we don't always sit down and talk to it, talk to talk about it with everybody because like, Mm -hmm. it's not something that everybody needs to do, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity to kind of see how God provides. Um, because it sort of feels like you're just a traveling salesman. You're just walking mm-hmm. around asking people for money and waiting on people yeah. to give you money so that they can, so that you can afford to go do what God has asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess where do you want where do you want to start? Like, um, well, let me is... let me preface the conversation by saying this: <clears throat> if if you're a missionary or on deputation or going to be a missionary, if you're being sent by your home church. Uh, and and going through a missions board or a missions agency, which are good things, by the way. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm talking against missions agencies or missions boards. But if you are going through a mission board, they're typically going to have a, a lot of resources for you. Um, they might not tell you every little detail about how to do deputation, but they're going to give you contact lists of other missionary churches that they're are supporting their missionaries and things like that. And they might give you some tips and some training, of mm-hmm. course. But my experience is I'm coming from a church that is large enough that not only, you know, do we partake in kind of our own in-house training and Bible Institute, but, but I'm not going through a missions border agency. I'm, I'm being sent from my local church. Um, and so our, our lead pastor, Jeff Bartell, you guys heard him back in the first episode. If you didn't listen to that, go check it out. It was the first episode of this podcast. He was a career missionary for 14 years. And so I got to pick his brain a lot and learn things, but deputation in 2019 slash 2020 was something he's never had to do. It's deputation changes over the years with different technology Mm -hmm. and stuff. So if you're someone who is coming from that same thing, like, I don't know if I'm going to have a missions board or I don't have a missions board. Um, maybe this can help you. And I even, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about a bunch of random things today, but I, I actually did write a short, very, uh, it's not polished, but it's a short, like 25 page PDF, thing that I just call a deputation helper. It's not a a manual of how to, it's not even a how to manual. It's just a, Hey, these are some things I learned that I think are important and it can give you some starting advice. And that's what I kind of hope today that, you know, we can give you some advice on things that are important to know from the get go. But really what I found out is as you go, you'll, you'll learn what works for you and your culture and your context um, and with your local church. But I really do think that there are some important things that everyone needs to know mm-hmm. before they go that, that can really help you and save you some time. Well, and so let me start by asking you this. Like, do you see deputation as more of like a thing you do for a bit 
and then you're done? Or is that is it kind of part of your life from here on out, like as long as you're a missionary? Yeah, that I well, and you know, since we're not to that stage yet, I'm mm-hmm. only guesstimating, but sure. but it does seem that there mo it's yes and no. So it is partly something that like, you know, Jeff and other people have told me you're always kind of fundraising from here on out. Mm-hmm. But that initial part of going from zero funding to mostly funded so you can go to the field, it's it that's the hard part. Right. Because you're going from having no funding to needing all the funding. And then eventually when you're on the field, you know, you're going to lose support. You're going to need more support, what have you. And so you'll need to do more fundraising. But once you're on the field, you have ministry, you have fruit, you have uh, contacts of churches who like you. And so you can find new contacts a bit easier, it seems. Um, but that initial start, it is, it's tough. Sure. And, you know, a lot of it is going to have to do with like this upfront part that you just recently finished. Um, you know, the, the part that, like you're saying, you don't have the fruit, you're just going around and stuff like that. Yeah, which you're basically is... trying to sell people. It, it, this sounds carnal, but it, it's really not. I kind of learned it along the way. People have to believe in you, the missionary. Mm-hmm. So you are, even though you don't want to say this, you are selling them you as a person and not in a not in an arrogant way, but in a way that says, listen, I, I'm not lazy. I'm a hard worker. I do have a call from the Lord and what, what God's called me to do is biblical. But here's why you can invest in me. Now that that doesn't you know that sounds like something people don't want to say but they are investing in you the missionary right. to go do the work that God's called you to do and it's in, you know that fruit that you gain is going to abound to their account for sure but if you're going to gain a contact that is going to support you who didn't know you before you got to prove to them why they should support you over someone else which is why there can be some weird competition in missionary circles during that deputation stage. You don't want it to happen, but it does kind of naturally fall out that way. Sure. And I'm sure that's easy for some people, hard for others, in between for most of us. Like, just the idea of, okay, how do I, quote, sell myself? Or how do yeah. I, how do I, how do I demonstrate that this is what God wants me to do and that it would be a wise investment? I think mm-hmm. it would be a wise investment. Um, and obviously, you're, you're prayerfully considering all of this and of understanding course. that that God is providing. I guess you want to talk about that a little bit, just the, the yeah. kind of attitude that you have to approach this whole fundraising thing with. That's probably good, because we can get into the really practical things, which, you know, is probably what you guys are wanting to hear. But from the get-go, you, you should realize, you know, it's it's a spiritual thing. Fundraising is is half physical. You got to go put the work in and half spiritual. I, I mean, we could say it's 100% spiritual because God sure. is the one providing. Someone once said, you know, you're you know, your funding is already raised. You got to go find it Um, because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if he's called you to it, he'll pay for it. It, I mean, that's important. Uh, You know, a a verse that God's always used in my life is first, uh, first Thessalonians five, I believe it's 24 Mm -hmm. faithful is he who calleth you who also will do it. And so if God has called you to this missionary, he will raise your money. But the thing is that can take to use an old Testament thing that could take 11 days or 40 years. Uh, you know, God mm-hmm. called called them out of Egypt, but like, what are you going to do? You are a man with, you are a free agent. You have a free will. And if you aren't going to get up every day and have some work ethic and some initiative and some drive, this thing could take you three, four, five, six years when it didn't need to. Sure. And so I, I do think having work ethic and initiative is important, especially when you're living off of people's tithes and offerings. If if you weren't a pastor, I, I was a pastor before I went into um, this deputation phase. And so I already kind of had that initial wrestling with like, 
when I first went into ministry and your, your salary is being paid from tithes and offerings, it's humbling Mm -hmm. and it really changes your perspective. Um, and so going into the missionary deputation, you already kind of go in with this humility of like, I I need to be a good steward of my time because people aren't paying me to sit on my couch. You know, they're paying me to get to the field, Mm -hmm. but that has to be balanced with humility and trusting God for provision because while work ethic and drive are important so that you're not, or so that you are being efficient, um, and being a good steward, Mm -hmm. you if you, you can tend to, if you're like me, if you're that type A personality, you can tend to then not trust in God's provision as much and feel like, well, if I just work harder and if I just work harder and if I just make 10 more calls a day or work 12 hours a day or whatever, then it'll happen. And so it, it has to be a balance, right? A false balance is an abomination of the word. Right, right. So you need that humility. Don't be, don't go into it being arrogant. I can tell you one thing. Most people don't, uh, and they go into it being humble. But if you're a guy who's naturally like energetic and people, uh, you have a magnetic personality and people like you and you're like, man, deputation is going to be a breeze because people like me and I'll raise the money quick. I, I Deputation will humble you in like a month. Sure. I promise you the, the first 20 calls that you make where people either ignore you or say, yeah, no, thanks. It'll humble you really quick. So hmm. don't be arrogant, have humility, but have work ethic, have drive and trust God for provision. Pray every day. Continue your walk with God and rely on Him. And uh, and He'll give you these little bite-sized confirmations along the way that He's really in it with you. Sure. Um, that are, uh, they're just piles of stones along the way that you can look back at. Right. So, yeah, and I think that's a good thing to start with here is like, before you even send your first phone call or write your first letter, like, you, you got to have the right attitude, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's... That's kind of the starting point. But okay, so let's say you've got the right attitude figured out. You've got you've got, you know, the idea that God is providing and you're just waiting on him to provide, but you're 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 seeking it out yourself. You're 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 driving yourself because essentially you're self-employed. Like yeah. In most situations, you know, I'm not aware of what the situation with a mission board would be like, but you don't have a boss telling you call yeah. this person call you have accountability person. for sure but mm-hmm. you don't you don't have a clock to punch every day right you don't have you know and if somebody didn't work in ministry beforehand and and you know maybe they're coming out of bible college or you know later in life what have you mm-hmm. and they didn't work a ministry job vocationally before that that could be even more surprising right you know because like oh man i i don't have as much accountability because like you know so you worked secular job for a long time mm-hmm. and like even though you were a salary position you still had to like punch a clock so to speak, kind of, right? Yeah, like I like, was expected to be there at a certain time and, and stay yeah. there until a certain time. Right, right. So there's expect like there's a rigid, you know, yeah, paradigm that people expect you to adhere to, mm-hmm. and and in this one, it's like, well, you're being paid to get to the field, however long that takes. So yeah, there has to be a, a balance there, sure. And so this is essentially your job for a while. Um, I know, mm-hmm. like. I feel like in most situations, like a, a person who decides to be a missionary and go on deputation, like they don't have other ministry responsibilities. Like this is the thing they do day in and day out until they're ready to go. Is yeah, that yeah, typically, and especially I even read somewhere because I've read I read a lot of resources on the on the front end too to mm-hmm. try and get ideas. And there's a lot of good resources out there, so definitely do do your homework. Um, but I, you know, I read somewhere that like if your pastor at first is kind of weird about weirded out about you being gone so much well that that is your job now your job is to not be home and that that can be hard at first on you and on your church sure um but the idea isn't for you to be uh, serving in your church at the same amount and raising money at the same time 
um, because that'll take you a long time to do. Now there might be different, uh, you know, I, I know some guys who went to the field later in their life mm -hmm. and so they worked their jobs while fundraising on the side. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of different like aspects sure, and, and sure. context, but really for those people that are like in their twenties who are starting the traditional classic understanding of deputation, mm -hmm. this is your full-time gig now. Right. Right. Okay. So what do you need? What do you need to get started? Like, like you want to hit the ground running, right? What do you do to prepare to hit the ground running? Yeah. It's, it's so weird because it's almost like, you know, uh, you're, you're the dog chasing the car your entire right, life as a right. young man. And you're like chasing your young man. You're like Isaiah six, eight, send me, I'll go Lord, send me, here am I, send me. And then eventually it's like, okay, your church recognizes it. You've been called. There's a need. We've decided where you're going. All right. And then you've caught the car and you're like, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> so, yeah. So let me give you guys some things you can get started. And by the way, that, that little missionary deputation helper that, that I wrote, that's just a, it's just a PDF. Um, it's, it's not like a polished book or anything. If that's something that would interest you. And I go into a lot of this stuff in more detail, just kind of in bullet point fashion. Um, go to my, what my personal ministry website is Horvath's to hungry.com the number two, not the word two Horvath's number two hungry.com. And you can find the contact page and email me through there and I'll just email it to you. Um, I won't put my email out on the podcast, but if you go to my website, you can find it, email me and I'll send it to you. But just a couple of important things. There are more things that you need than just this, but some of the things I think that are important that you can do right now, even if you're not on deputation this minute, um, the biggest thing is it's called and I had to learn this lingo. There's some missionary lingo and some deputation lingo you just don't know about. It, a lot of people just call it a packet. And what they mean by that is a missionary information packet. And and what this packet is, and really, it kind of harkens back to the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, where they, the guys had a literal physical packet of information that they had about them, their ministry, their qualifications, what they were going to do, that they would literally put in big manila envelopes and send out by the dozens to churches. And that was their packet there. And, and if you were emailing a pastor or well, back then calling a pastor mm -hmm. and trying to get in a church, you'd be like, okay, well send me your packet because they want to do their homework on you. Right. So you got to have this packet, even though uh, things have changed nowadays and we do a lot more internet things. And, um, I thought initially, well, I'll just make a cool website. And I did. And, and I think that's really helpful. Um, but a lot of pastors that you're contacting that you may not know, uh, they're more old school, they're more traditional and that's fine, but they, they might say, okay, that's cool. You have a website, send me your packet. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. You need to have this. And mm -hmm. a lot of the information on your website will be from your packet anyway. So just put this together. I'll give you guys some things that should be in your packet. Um, and, and then you'll use this information everywhere, whether it's, uh, so what I recommend is collate this information about yourself, make it a PDF might be eight, 10, 12, 15 pages long. You can attach that PDF to every single email you send if you want and just give them that info so that when you're saying, Hey, this is who I am. I'd like to see if you're interested in talking to me or booking a meeting. They can snoop on you because you've already given them the info. Right now, of course you're putting your website, you're linking your website and your emails and mm -hmm. everywhere on Facebook, but this packet is important. And so, um, Okay, so if we're just going through the things that need to be in your missionary packet, the cool thing is you can do this now in your spare time, even if you're not on deputation yet, mm -hmm. you know. So just gather this info. A lot of it you might not even have yet. And so it's going to take you a while to make these documents, you know, type them up in a Word document and then collate them all, you know, and make a PDF or whatever. Um, the first one being your ministry resume or experience. And I say that because if, if you 
are a pastor vocationally, then then you can make kind of a legit resume. You might not have one, mm-hmm. but they just need to see who you are and what you've done, kind of like you would have a secular resume. If you if you haven't been a vocational pastor, then you would make it in the same vein, but just call it ministry experience rather than ministry resume. Sure. And because that's just delineating that you haven't done it vocationally yet. Um, but you know, you're just listing experience of what you've done in ministry leadership wise, whether that's as a, a lay leader or in vocationally. So ministry resume slash experience first thing. Second, you're going to want a letter of recommendation from your sending pastor. Um, this is this is really important. Uh, ask your sending pastor to type up a short letter of recommendation. Um, this will go long for this will go huge for your credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not just a rogue Christian that nobody knows who you are. Your sending pastor has put his stamp of approval on you. Um, and, and is sending you out. It doesn't have to be long. It just needs to look official. So it could be on like church letterhead or something. Um, and you can, it, you know, if they type that up, up electronically, you can have that in your PDF or you can just scan it, you know, on the church letterhead into a PDF. Sure. But that definitely means something to pastors. Or Absolutely. In general, I actually know? put that on the front page of my website too. Like when mm-hmm. I give people my website and say, check it out. Like one of the first things they're going to see is the letter of recommendation from my pastor. So yeah. that's huge. Uh, especially if people know who your pastor are too. If your pastor's well-respected in, in whatever circle you're in, that's going to go, go long for you. Um, next, uh, salvation testimony. People don't know you. They want to know how and when you got saved. Doesn't have to be long, a page, two, three paragraphs. Um, but just your salvation testimony. How'd you get saved? Uh, call it a vocational ministry. Um, call it whatever you want, but pastors just want to know why or how you feel called to vocational ministry. You can keep it brief, but you know why are you, why should you be a mission, missionary? How did God call you into that work? How has God given you a burden? What have you? Uh, you know, uh, again, a lot of these can be a page or less, a couple paragraphs. Right. Uh, doctrinal statement is something that um, is optional. I'm just listing it in here because I've had churches ask it. Uh, ask me for it. Um, because even if you're a Baptist missionary specifically, there's different Baptist circles. Right. Of course, there's lots of them. And so if they want your doctrinal statement, just have it ready. And uh, if you didn't write your own doctrinal statement, like most people haven't in Bible college, um, you can just take your church's doctrinal statement from the website uh, because you probably believe what your church believes. Right. And so that that can be important for some scenarios, but isn't like it's not a deal breaker, but, but the, you will have people ask you for that. Um, mission v- and vision for your country. So I, I kind of view mission and vision, two different things. Like mission is like, what, what are you going there to do? And vision is what, what, what would you like to see God do there long-term through you? You know? Mm-hmm. So mission is like, what are you going to do when you get there? So, you know, what, what are you planning on doing when you get to Nepal? What's your thing? Oh, well, I'm going to join an already established missionary and train for two years and then get sent out. Great. Say that. They just want to know. Right. And then vision is like, well, I, I want to see myself plant churches in Nepal or I want to plant a model church that disciples and sends out other missionaries. Great. Just have that written out because if you don't have you, – you got to think of yourself in some aspects as a salesman. If, if you sure. don't have a vision statement, a mission statement, you're just like, well, I'm just being sent to Nepal. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. It's going to be hard to find investors. Sure. Well, it's like it's like it sounds like if you're hunting for a job, you know, you take your resume around because you want potential employers to know who you are. Mm-hmm. But you know, keep in mind when you get most most jobs you get, and then you're you're working with your boss every day. Your boss can mm-hmm. instruct you what to do, correct you when you're not doing something the way he wants it done, or or whatever, and then kind of guide and direct the projects you work on or whatever. Yeah. But but here you're going off on the other side of the planet. And you're still wanting pastors and churches to know who you are. 
mm-hmm. so that they can trust you to go do and they're, what you're... you're seeking to partner with them. You right. know, we say it all the time, almost like it's cliche, but it really is the case. You're partnering with these churches. And when churches are looking to add missionaries, they love missions. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? A church that isn't into the Great Commission they're not looking to add missionaries typically. So they're, they want to partner with you. And if you, so they need to know who you are. That's the whole right, point. Right. That's why you're gathering this info and it will help uh, maybe differentiate you from the rest of the crowd. If they're not as prepared as you are. Um, and then the other things they are, they're optional for if you have them. So Bible college degree or certificate, whatever training you completed, mm-hmm. even if that's a two year ministry thing through your church, uh, scan that and, and put it in your packet, put it at the end. You know, it's right. not the most important thing, but just show them your quote unquote credentials, you know? So if you're in the process of preparing and you get a certificate for completing something, don't throw it away. Yeah. Keep that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing to have. Um, so, you know, if you are a pastor and you've been ordained, your ordination certificate, mm-hmm. scan that, put it at the end of your packet, uh, state licenses, some, some churches, depending on how they're run, every church governs themselves the same. That's the wonderful thing about autonomy. Uh, they might want to see, are you, are you licensed in your state? So in Ohio, I have a state license to perform weddings, right? You know, so I scan that, you know, it's, it's not a deal breaker, but I'm just showing, Hey, I, this is going to sound terrible, but it's just being candid. I'm not just some Joe Schmo schmuck mm-hmm. who decided he wants to go live across the world for a fun vacation for a couple of years. Right. I, I am a, I'm a ordained minister of the gospel who's been prepared and trained by my church. And they're sending me as an extension of their ministry to another part of the world. Are you interested in partnering with us? Right. And, and like, so like those you, things are important. And like you talked about at the beginning, you're, you're praying that God will bring churches into your ministry that will yeah. partner with you. And, you know, you're trying to give them as many details about you as you can. Definitely. You don't want them to, you know, partner with you or, and not know who you are. You mm-hmm. want them to partner with you, knowing full well that, that they can put their trust in you to do what you say you're going to do in a different mm-hmm. country. And so that's the missionary packet. You you might send a few of those hard copies. I, I did. I sent a mm-hmm. few, but not many. But I, as a PDF, I attached that sucker to every email I sent. And I sent hundreds and hundreds of cold contact emails. Mm-hmm. Well, define what a cold contact is in a bit. Sure. But I, I put that thing on every single email I sent so that they could see, you know, a PDF isn't, it's not that many megabytes. Right. So it's great. You can send that with every email. Um, and just if, if some mi- pastor wants more information on you, you already have it collected in one place. That's mm-hmm. the other nice thing about it. Even if you don't ever mail a physical copy of this packet, you've got all this information in one place. You can put it on your website. You can put it on your Facebook page, whatever. Right. Um, but this is one of the first things you can do that's going to take some time, but you will use it for the rest of your deputation time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a couple of other things that are important that, uh, that you can work with other people to help you get. If you're with a mission board, they might even help you with this. Uh, prayer cards. Um, those are important if you've been in churches or at missions conferences. Every missionary has a prayer card. It's just their business card, essentially, because you give it to them, to people. It should have some key things like contact info, your uh, picture of your family. How do they get a hold of you? Where are you going? You know, it doesn't need to be a biography, but it should right. have some key important information on it. And it needs to look good. It, right, it really right. does. So like if you're with a missions board, they probably have a template and they'll make those for you. But if you're not and you're like me and you're being sent by your church, you need to find a friend or someone who works at your church who does some graphic design and and have someone help you unless you have that skill. I, I, I like doing Photoshop, so I, sure. I did my own. But find someone who knows what they're doing to help you make those. And they're usually like four by six or five by seven cards. Make that design and have them printed professionally. 
whether you go down to Staples or Office Max or uh, you go to Vistaprint, which is where I typically get everything online, vistaprint.com. It's, you know, pretty cheap. You, you will buy these things by the thousand. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds crazy, but I kid you not. You want to buy them by the thousand. It might cost you 70 bucks for a thousand. It's not very much, but you want to be able to hand these out in fistfuls. Every church you go to, every missions conference, you don't want to leave five. You want to, any person who asks you for a prayer card, you want to hand them two or three. Right. And every church that you visit, you want to leave a stack of a hundred with them mm-hmm. because this is how people find out about you. And it's genuine. It's generally what you said it was. It, it's a prayer card. You want people to hang these up on their fridge, see them, remember you, and pray for you. You want to be in the forefront of their mind, and this is how you remind them Absolutely. that you exist. Absolutely. And then uh, another thing is is a display table. I won't go into too much detail on this. It is in the deputation helper that I made. Um, but essentially, if you've been to any church where a missionary comes in, they're going to have a table. It looks like you're at a, a science fair. It really um, does. But they have a display with their picture and name on it. Um, but the, the important thing about the display table is that's where you put all of your prayer cards and your contact info. People can sign up for your newsletter there when mm-hmm. you visit a church. That's usually after you get up and give your, whether you're preaching or giving a five minute presentation of your ministry, you always direct them, Hey, if you want to meet me and, and talk to us and grab a prayer card, see me after the service at our display table. Right. So, you know, you can, you know, there's, you can Google missionary display tables, but really you just, you need a some sort of pop-up display that has a picture of your family, some trinkets from the country you go to. Mm-hmm. So people have a reason to come over and look and pick something up and touch it and be like, Oh, what's this thing? Maybe a Bible in the language that you're learning in that language. You can show them the language. People like to see that. Right. And if you've got a reason for them to come and touch and feel and see the things at your display table, then you can talk and make contacts and, right. and gain prayer supporters. Sure. So maybe before you go on deputation, make sure your only car isn't a two door coupe that you can't fit a foldable table and stuff into. Yeah. If you got to borrow something, that's great, but you want a dependable car that is, it doesn't have to be a minivan. We, we have like a SUV type right, crossover right. car, but you need something with a hatch, man. Cause you're right. going to, you're not only traveling with all of your family's luggage, however big your family is, but you're going to travel with a Rubbermaid tote. that has got your display table in it and 2000 prayer cards. And yeah, man, talk <laughs> about practical discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is the stuff that they don't teach you in your missions class in right, right. school. It's just it, but it's, it's, it's what you got to do. Right. <laughs> so you got all your supplies together and obviously, you know, you're going to learn things as you go through this process and you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to not have a hundred percent of the things you need. And somebody will ask you for something. You're like, I didn't think about that. Let me put that together. Um, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. You, you learn some of it on the way, but the most, the more work you put in up front, it sounds like the easier your time is going to be later. Cause you Absolutely. won't have to think about this stuff. Yes. Uh, and you get into road. kind of a groove and a pattern of like, sure. this is what I do because that's what a lot of people when they first start, like, what do I do Monday through Friday from nine to five now? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, if some people have to work a job to support while they're doing that, but then as you gain support, when a church takes you on for support, typically they take you on immediately because they realize that they're, that you're living off of their support while you're raising support, mm-hmm. you know? So you might have to work a job until you have enough support to pay the bills. Um, but then when, if you're not working a, a, a nine to five job, it's like, well, what do I do all day? It's like, well, you, you'll figure that out. Right. Have some work ethic, but you're going to be emailing and making calls from nine to five until you have those first 
meetings booked that you're then driving to. And then a lot of your time is driving. So before, I guess the whole point of this is be prepared on the front end, Mm -hmm. because once you start driving to all the appointments you book, you don't have as much time to create this content. Yeah. And you don't want to be worried about all that stuff. Yeah. So while you're spending the first month or two making contacts and booking meetings, work on this stuff at the same time. That's what you're doing from nine to five. Sure. You're making your website, you're getting your prayer cards, you're putting your display table together, you're gathering your missionary info packet while you're making contacts and booking meetings so that when you start heading to these meetings, you've got what you need. Right, right. So let's talk about that. How do, how do you go about scheduling meetings? <laughs> like what... That seems like like quite the job. You're, you're, the you're calling and emailing people. It's and the scariest thing. When I first started, when I, I remember sitting down. So I, I was the youth pastor at our church. So I left my office to move the guy into my my old office. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it was a guy I trained to be the next youth pastor. Right. And I'm sitting in the, the uh, what do we even call that room? Just the the break room, I guess. Right. The, I've got a little desk in the corner. It's not really a conference room. Yeah. But it's, got it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in the broom closet now. Right. I've got my laptop and I need to get to hungry. What do I do now? Like, well, I guess I'm going to call someone. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> right. It is tough. So let me give you guys a couple things to think about um, on the front end that maybe will help you. Um, first, just be organized. Mm-hmm. Don't just start calling people without logging things. Like keep track of what you do. Who did you call? When did you call them? Um, what was their response? Uh, do you need to follow up with them in a couple weeks? Like, like just be organized now, whether you're a techie and so you like, maybe like Corey comes from an engineering background and is a spreadsheet guru. I was going to say that sounds like a spreadsheet. Work the spreadsheet, man. And, and don't just do Excel, use Google sheets because you can have that. You can pull that up on your phone, your tablet, your laptop. It's saved in the cloud. And so you can do the same thing. Okay, fine. <laughs> but either way, use a spreadsheet. Use something to be organized. Um, if you're if you're not a techie, I, I will recommend something to you that I stumbled across too late. Like I was halfway done when I found this, but it is a good resource made by a brother who is, who is in a church ministry, and he made this thing. It's 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 got a long name. It's IFBMT. So Google IFBMT. It stands for. Here you go. You ready? Independent, fundamental, Baptist, missionary trails. Take a breath. Yeah. So Google that. It Honestly, it's a it's a well-done service. You can do a, a free trial that's a week or two weeks to see if you're into it. But it's a minimal cost. It's like 15 bucks a month. It's like a subscription oh, wow. service. Yeah. And honestly, you're... If you think you're going to go through deputation without spending money, you're wrong. You're, you're going to have to invest in some things. Mm-hmm. So you can determine if this is something you want to invest in. Uh, but I, the thing that about IFBMT is you can keep track of your calendar appointments, keep track of your support, keep track of, uh, um, everything regarding deputation. You can keep track of in this web-based service that isn't an app or a program. You can access it on any device you have, Mm -hmm. but it's also this searchable, filterable database of like 13,000 churches in America that are, you know, typically Baptist or Bible churches that support mm-hmm. missions in this way. Cause not all denominations support missions, like the way that we're doing this independent sure. fundraising. Um, and so there's like this huge database that you can search by state, by location, by doctrine, like doctrinal statement, by, uh, any filterable key phrase that you can think of. Mm-hmm. You can search for churches. So say I need to book an appointment 
for uh, June 10th because the weekend before I'm going to be in the Baltimore area. And so it'd be really cool if I could find another meeting before I come back home and make the drive home. You could search churches in Baltimore that believe this, that have a missions emphasis in June and like start Mm -hmm. to lower things down. And that's a really cool thing if you don't have a contact list made available to you. Sure. Um, So that's a cool way to stay organized. I would just recommend looking into it because there are free databases online. Um, I think one's called like KJV church finder or something like you can find Baptist and Bible churches. Um, but that is a really good service for a minimal amount of money. I I don't mean for that to be a commercial, but the important thing is you need to stay organized. So you need to take notes. You need to have a good email client. This is something that might seem trivial, but like if you use Gmail, don't just depend on the, like, the Google Chrome Gmail website. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like download, um, <clears throat> what's the Microsoft one called? Outlook. Yeah, yeah download Outlook. Uh, if you have a Mac, use their their email client. Um, I used one, an open source one called... Uh, um, Thunderbird? Thunderbird, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's made by uh, Mozilla. Um, you have a good email client because what you can do in there is save templates of emails. You can uh, make folders to save those emails in mm-hmm. and it's just an easier interface to use than just doing it on sure. Yahoo or Gmail or AOL or something like that. So just be organized. Well, I can't and if you have, if you have more than one email address too, it's really easy with an email client to like pull Sync all your out. emails into, you know, the same client and share a mailbox and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you can make sure you don't miss anything and get well, timely. An- another thing that's worth saying, because a lot of people do have multiple emails. Um, if you're a guy who only has one email, And it's the same email you've had since you were 14 when you made an AOL account that's like, you know, Kobe basketball 1991 at AOL.com or at Yahoo. Make a new email. Right. (laughs) Now, whether that is, you know, uh, kale and hungry at gmail.com or maybe your church has their own website. And if you ask them, maybe they can give you a quote unquote staff email account. Mm-hmm. that would be like your name, like kale.horvath at firstbaptistchurch.com or something. It just looks more professional. Right. And so, and not only is it easier for people to remember when you tell it, but like when they're emailing you, it just looks better than, you know, random guy, 1041. Right. You want people to be able to look at your web address, your email address and know whose yeah, email address yeah, yeah. that is exactly. just by looking at it. You and don't want to like, rely if you're going to, which you should make a website, I'm not going to spend much time on it. I, I do that in the deputation helper. You should make a website. Mm-hmm. that's just like a, like a prayer card with more info right. and you can direct people to it for more information about you. Um, you, you should, you might be able to, if you're paying for a service like Squarespace or something, or I think it's called Wix, there's a couple different like website building things that have minimal costs. Mm -hmm. You might be able to actually, whatever your website's, uh, HTML is your address, you know, ours is horvastahungry.com. You might be able to set up an email through your website hosting service, like kale at horvastahungry.com. It's sure it's a small detail, mm-hmm. but if you, if you don't have an email that sounds professional, just, just make one. It's not, it's not that hard. Right. And then what it can do is you can divert your personal email for other things away from the missions email and you can stay more organized. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. So let's, so, let's talk more about like actually making contact. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, for sure. So like back in the day, it was all cold calls, phone calls. Um, nowadays email is big. A lot of people use email. You can decide what you're more comfortable with phone calls versus emails. I was more comfortable with making emails. I also called people, right? You know, do what you want. What I like about email is I can attach my missionary info packet to every single email. 
-hmm. I can put a link to my website in every single email and I can make a general template for all my cold emails um, that I can send a hundred emails a day and make a couple calls. I kind of reserved calls for people that I knew or had a mutual contact with. Sure. So um, I'm just going to go over something briefly that is in the deputation helper that, that I think can help you. Um, I call it the contact target. It's, I don't know, maybe someone else has something like this. I just made it up because it was helpful to me um, because generally you have, there's different kinds of contacts. So there's, there's three kinds of contacts that, that I see from the, the experience. Um, the inner circle of the bullseye or the target, is, number one, inner circle number one would be those that are closest to you that you have an actual relationship with. So <clears throat> pastors of churches that you and your pastor personally know, um, these, are, these are the best contacts that have the best chance of supporting you. That's the key right. because not all contacts are created equal. And I don't mean that to sound bad or to sound like you shouldn't make all the calls or emails, but the idea is the ones that have the best chance of supporting you are the people who know you or know your pastor. Right. So if you aren't with a missions board that gives you a list of a thousand churches to call, sit down with the pastors on staff at your church and just ask them, who do you know and where, or, you know, churches that are in your fellowship, if you're mm -hmm. in the LFF and write those names and emails down and start with those people. Don't just start by getting on google and searching churches in minnesota if you don't live there and just start calling that's not a great strategy right it can work it's going to take you long. start with the inner circle with people that you have a direct relationship with or your pastor does well don't a lot of churches like if they don't know you and you call them like they're gonna probably ask you like how close you are to raising your support if they don't know you and if you say well i don't have any raised you're the first person i called then they might not take you as seriously as if yes. you said i have 75 percent of my that's a very good raise. point. Some churches won't, they, they might even have it written into their regulations that they don't support anyone under like, say, 50%. Sure. Because they don't want to invest. And now, again, guys, this is going to sound weird, but if you're in the missionary world, it, it, it makes sense. It's not carnal. It's just how it works. They don't want to invest money in you for three years and then you not go to the field. Right. That happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And so they might, their rule might be, well, we only support people that are over 50% because there's a better chance that you make it to the field. Um, and so that's a good point. Actually, I didn't think about it in that way. If you start with people, you know, and get that base to where you get that first 10 to 20 to 30% raised, then when right. you're making cold contacts, yeah, just like you said, you've got something started. You can answer that question a little more confidently if you yeah. have people, you know, that are already supporting you versus. Right. And that is the thing. That's something that, that pastors will ask you, like, how far are you along it, now? It's not something, and it's usually a percentage. They, mm -hmm. they might want to know your goal, um, which is a fair question. It's not something that you talk about at your display table with church members typically, but a pastor might want to know how much money you're trying to raise to live where you're going to go. But typically you, you use a percentage like, well, we're 45% fundraised and that just gives them an idea of your progression and how you're doing. Right. And so if, you know, if you call a pastor that you don't know, they're like, okay, well, how far along are you? We are 7%. Okay. Well, when you figure it out, give me a call. Right, it, that, that's, right. it, it sounds bad, but it's, it's just kind of how it is. So that's circle number one. Start there. It's more strategic. It's not, it's not wrong to call. Like if you use a shotgun effect, that's fine, but it's not very organized. Mm -hmm. And so that strategy will come back to bite you in six months when you have no idea who you need to follow up with. Sure. You know? Um, so circle two, once you've exhausted whatever that list is of people that your pastor knows specifically, um, then you can move to circle two contacts and that would be, uh, friends 
that you share a mutual contact with. You might not know them or your pastor might not know them specifically, but these are friends of pastors you know or friends of those who support you. Like anywhere you go, if a church takes you on and you might say, hey, do you know anyone in this area or do you have any friends somewhere that might be interested in supporting us? Don't feel weird asking that question. They, mm-hmm. they expect you to. It's it's part of the process. You have to gain contacts. You don't know everyone. Yeah, you're networking. Right, you're networking. That's literally what it is. And so that circle too, though, is like it's it's a there's a mutual contact between you, and that's the next best. Most of your support is going to come from circle one or circle two. Now you to get to the field, you have to have circle three contacts, which is cold contacts. Mm-hmm. You don't know them. They didn't know you. Uh, I have a couple of those cold contacts. But the majority of the people who took us on were circle one or circle two, mm-hmm. someone I or my pastor knew or a friend of a friend. And then when you've exhausted those, then move. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't do cold contacts along the way. Sure. Like sure. Y- you should. But the idea is you're not spending all your time on cold contacts when you could be calling this guy who your pastor knows really well. And chances are might support you, you know, from right, the beginning. Right. So so kind of start from the inside and work your way out, Mm -hmm. you know, to those cold contacts. And then you find those cold contacts through Google or a service like IFBMT or KJVchurches.com. And you're just like literally going through a list of people. Right. Um, Even if like, if you're with a missions board and they give you a list of say 2000 churches, those are cold contacts. Mm -hmm. So start with the people, you know, start with circle one, work your way to circle two. And then, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I imagine you have to make a lot more phone calls and send a lot more emails to circle three churches before you even get a response. Yeah. Whereas if, if you know somebody like they're going to be more likely to respond to you and you don't have to send as many if, emails out to schedule as many meetings. If I was going to put a number on it and this is, you know, just a ballpark random sure. guess, but with cold contacts for me, and this will be different for everybody. It seemed like I had to contact a hundred churches to get one or two to respond mm-hmm. or maybe three or, you know what I mean? To get a handful to even re- respond back to you. And usually the response is no, you know, yeah. of the guys who say, okay, so let's just do round numbers. You contact a hundred churches to get 10 responses, which is kind of liberal guess, but sure. let's just say 10 of the 10, nine are, Hey, thank you so much, brother. We're praying for you, but we can't, or our missions budget is maxed or we're, we're not looking at missionaries, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, 90% of the ones who even contact you back are a no. And 90% of those you contacted at the beginning don't even respond. Right. So the one that actually comes back to you is like, hey, you know, I maybe maybe I'd like more information. Do you have a website? You know what I mean? Right. So it is that networking sales kind of thing. You just have to send a lot of emails and make a lot of phone calls to find that needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. But you need to find that needle in the haystack. That's right. that's what you're being paid to do during deputation. Sure. You know? But you can be more strategic if you start with the people you know and work your way out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you get meetings scheduled at churches. Um, yeah. What do you do when you're actually at these churches? Like what? Well, obviously, there's probably different kinds of meetings, you know, as like going to visit a church as opposed to meeting up with a pastor or something like that. What do yeah. you actually do when you have a these different kinds of meetings. That's a good point. So, you know, say, okay, you finally did it. You booked your first meeting. You're excited. Now what? Well, so what you need to find out from that pastor, and if they have a lot of experience with missionaries, they might tell you this from the get-go, which is nice. But if they don't, then you might need to put this out. You, you just need to find out what they're wanting. Mm-hmm. If you There's different kinds of meetings. Let's start there, like you said. So the, the easiest one would be like a lunch meeting or a coffee. You know, like, hey, especially if it's a cold contact, I, uh, or a cold contact, I always offered in the email, like, 
you can't just send an email saying, Hey, I'm a missionary and give them your information. You need to actually ask them something like, what do you want from me? You know, are you wanting me to support you without ever having met you? Well, no, of course not. So what I would always say at the end of my email was something like, um, would you be interesting in having a phone call with me if they're in a different state? Right. You know, just so I could pitch my ministry to you Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I'm in the area or they're in my state, I would say, would you be interested in getting coffee sometime? I'd love to take you out for lunch or grab a coffee and pay for your meal. And, and just so I could tell you about our ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would do. And, and you'll get some of those. And so, you know, those are more casual and you should still be prepared, bring your prayer card, dress up. Right. You're interviewing for a job. Absolutely. I mean, it's what you're doing. You wouldn't go to a job interview in, you know, basketball shorts. It, you know, you yeah. dress for the, the job you want. It's, it's not legalism. It's just being wise. That's all. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, those are good things. And you want those, by the way, with cold contacts, you want coffee or lunch meetings. And I had many of those where you're just saying, Hey, I just want to get to know you and, and tell you my ministry. And that goes a long way. But then, you know, what you're ultimately trying to get is a meeting at their church where you're either preaching and those are, those are less. The majority is they will say, okay, come in, you have five minutes or 10 minutes to present your ministry. And you might show a video, you might have a PowerPoint presentation, you get up and share for a few minutes, and then you set up your display table. That's mm-hmm. really common. It might be Sunday morning, might be Sunday night, might be a Wednesday night service, it might be a missions conference, what have you. Sure. It, it, you just need to find out from them what they're expecting. So like I've been to churches where they said, hey, why? and, and maybe they knew me, so they knew that I was a preacher before. Why don't you come in and, and uh, talk about what you're doing in Sunday school? And then after Sunday school, preach our main service and share about your ministry. That's a busy Sunday. That's a busy Sunday, but you need to be prepared for that. Right. So the idea is if you haven't been a preacher before and you're not used to writing sermons on the fly, have a couple ready, like have an hour sermon. That's an actual, a good sermon that Mm -hmm. you wrote and studied that could fill a Sunday morning service. If they said, Hey, you have an hour that you can preach a passage, but then also share about your ministry and your burden at the same time. Right. right. Have that ready. And it's probably a good idea when you preach that sermon at a specific church, make a note of that so that if you go back to that church later, you don't preach the same sermon again. Yeah, that's a good... Well, and here's the thing. It's actually easy to keep track of that because those that's the minority. Mm-hmm. The minority okay. of churches. Most churches, if they let you preach, you've got like a 20 or 30 minute slot because you're not the main speaker that Sunday or or you're a guest speaker right. or something. So the hour one isn't the majority, but you should have it ready and then have a 30 minute sermon, have a 10 minute presentation with no sermon, have a five minute, have a two minute. I kid you not, I went to a church once, a, a great brother. He told me on the front end that they couldn't afford to support me, but I was w- more than welcome to come out to their church. And their their church was only like, you know, less than an hour away from where I live. Mm-hmm. So I went out on a Sunday and told him I would be there. And he told me on the front end, we can't support you, but please come down. And And so I, I went to their church on a Sunday by myself, you know, even right. without my family. And I went there and he's he called me up on stage and said, hey, why don't you share with us? And he just, he didn't give me the mic. He just held it to my mouth. So oh. on the spot, I had to be ready to give a 60 second, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, like you just, you sure. got to be ready. So be prepared, know what you're saying and have some sermons ready um, because there are different meetings that, that you're trying to book. Well, and in case there's anybody listening that, you know, wonders, well, if they told you they weren't going to give you money, why'd you bother going? Um, you know, you, <laughs> well, that's true. You're, you're still trying to network and build relationships Yes. For, for potential future partnerships and stuff like that, yeah. right? Well, and the spiritual answer and the right answer is that you want those people to pray for you. Sure. You sure. want yeah. those people to pray for you, but they might not be able to support you now, but they might be able to support you in a year or two mm-hmm. after you're there. So you don't want to burn any bridges. You you want, or or 
that's not even a good way to say it. You don't want to leave any stone unturned. Right. You, you know, go. if we're just going to keep using idioms or whatever, <laughs> you, you really don't you, because you might make an impression on someone or you might make an impression on someone at that church and the church doesn't have missions budget to give you, but they might talk to their pastor and they might want to support you individually, which yeah. has happened before to me. I didn't expect it or even uh, well, try to do that, but it happens. Or somebody might hear about what you're doing and that create a burden in them Absolutely. for missions and, and want to invest their lives in missions and maybe yeah. even go to the place that you talked about that yes. created a burden. In them, so you, you know? want to go anywhere that you have an open invitation, even if there's no chance you're getting money from them. Because number one, you don't know. Right. And number two, you don't know what God's going to do in and through you at that place. Absolutely. Right. So take any meeting, be flexible, take any meeting you can get. Any meeting you can get, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. This Maybe there's a church out there that has Monday evening meetings, and they're the only church in the world who does it, but they do it, and they'll have you in, do it. Right. Be there. Show up. And 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 if, if they ask you to preach, preach. If they ask you to just give a two-minute summary, give a two-minute summary. Um, videos are fine if you have that skill or know someone who has that skill, but really the most important thing is a visual is a PowerPoint. Throw some pictures of your family and your ministry into a PowerPoint and, and show that and talk about what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and then, so what, what did we open with? We said the different kinds of meetings. Oh, so when you actually are scheduling the meetings and then, so you figure out what you need from them. Are you preaching? Are you sharing five minutes? What are you doing? And then just make sure that you confirm with them the date and the time, you know, put it in your calendar. Right. If you're not a calendar person, welcome to ministry. <laughs> uh, welcome to adulting. You need to keep a calendar on your phone. Didn't you have something in there about sharing your calendar with your wife? Yeah, being that's a good, a good idea. idea. Whether you use Android or, or iPhones, the calendars, uh, share them. I know mm -hmm. Google Calendar does it. I know iPhones do. Share your calendar with your wife so that when you up update, like say you say you made five appointments today and you just can't keep them all straight, make the appointment in your phone and then it'll automatically update on hers and she knows where you're going and when. Right. <laughs> or where we're all going. And like, oh hey babe, I forgot to tell you that we're gonna spend we're we're gonna drive next week to Iowa. Um, so you need to have the baby or the kids ready and we're going. And maybe stay there for two weeks, depending right. on how many churches you're meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that calendar is important and share it with your with your family so that they know what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because I imagine frequently you're making appointments months in advance. You know, you're not just like, yeah. hey, can I come to your church next week? You're like, hey, when when can we do this? Yeah, and sometimes even years in advance. Wow. It's, it's Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think because most people will spend between one and three or four years on deputation. One mm -hmm. year is actually kind of uh, not as common. It's two to three or even four years is pretty common. Wow. Uh, just because... You, it's hard to raise money, especially if you don't have a lot of contacts that you know personally. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you do have a lot of contacts, it might expedite the process. But if you call a church and they say, hey, man, our, our missions, because they're, they're booking missionaries a year out a lot of times. Sure. Like, hey, we've got, we, we only do one missionary slot once per month and we've got all 12 booked this year. That's common. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, do you have anything next year? Well, we could do you in February. Okay, put me down. If you raise your money before that time, you can call them and say, hey, we're funded. I won't be able to make that meeting. I'm sorry. We're heading to the field. They'll be thrilled to hear that and maybe even impressed and they'll remember you. You know what right, I mean? Right. So if they offer you something three years from now, take it seriously. Like that might sound counterintuitive. Yeah. Take what you can get, put it on the calendar. You can always make a phone call later and reschedule. Sure. You know? Yeah. But what you can't do is wait until the month before that's that no. time was scheduled and then say, Hey, do you still have that available? Yeah. Cause chances are good. They won't. And it's also not, it's kind of weird at first. I didn't expect this. Uh, I thought that I would be calling people and booking meetings for like the next month or the next two months. Be mm -hmm. like, Hey, would you be interested in having me in next month? I'll be in the area. That's not common. 
<laughs> it's a worthy call if you are in an sure. area and you're just trying to find somewhere else to be. But typically you're booking things six, eight, 10 months out in advance. And so that's why I said you want to be prepared on the front end because you're going to spend the first couple of months potentially with no churches to visit or one or two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you know, you'll have some contacts that your pastor knows and they can get you in quickly. But like when you start booking your meetings, they might be six months out for right, now. Right. So spend that six months getting all of your stuff together, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So you definitely got to be diligent with what you're doing on yeah. your calendar and stuff like that. So For sure. For sure. Um, so you got your meetings scheduled, you got expectations set, mm-hmm. and, and you start to travel. Like, yeah, you do life on the road, um, you and your family. Like, like, you guys have been gone for a month at a time, yeah. at least twice now. Mm-hmm. Like, what, how, how is that? Like, I'm sure it's different for both families. And like, I know Brooke, she's a really patient Mm -hmm. person, but like, how is life on, on the road with your family? And you got a kid who's, who just turned two recently. He's been on the road almost his entire life. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Well, so and this might actually be a good place to even kind of settle in and wrap things up, but yeah, so I, I can't pretend to speak for every person because it's going to be different for everybody. Right. Um, But what I can say is that no matter how prepared you are for it, it's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult because if you were in ministry like I was, I went from a very structured format to where I had a role and responsibilities and I preached twice a week. And then, and then you go from that to a very fluid, nebulous job description to where it's like, well, you just got to get to the field. And so people aren't relying on you as much anymore. And it's, it's just strange. Mm-hmm. It's almost culture shock. Like you're expecting culture shock when you move to your country someday, right. but you don't expect it when you go into deputation because you know, if you were a pastor or say you just had a full-time secular job and now all of a sudden you don't, that can almost, uh, that can almost stress you out because at the beginning, it'll take a while before you start to build some of your support. Mm -hmm. And so the, the struggle is sometimes you might feel like, am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, you know what I mean? Because the American Western mindset is to earn your keep you know, Mm -hmm. and to progress and to work hard and you can work as hard as you want. And we already said you need to have a good work ethic, but like, if God doesn't do it, it ain't going to happen. Right. And so like, sometimes you can feel like you're working as hard as you can and everybody just keeps saying no or ignoring you. And that can be really hard. And so I guess the whole point that I'm getting at is like, it is going to be hard and that's okay. And sometimes you're not going to feel okay. And that's okay. Right. You know, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. But what you can't do is feel like you have to suppress it and make everyone think you're okay. Mm -hmm. So just like talk to your pastor, keep him in the loop. He, you might feel like the people back at your home church have forgotten about you, but they haven't. You're just not there anymore. Mm -hmm. If you're on the road for a month or two at a time and never there, they've kind of said goodbye to you. Like, Hey, so-and-so is going to be a missionary. They're heading to the field. You're not in the field yet, but you're not at the church anymore. And so they haven't forgotten about you, but you might you might feel forgotten. Sure. So just make sure you've got good friends that you're talking to. Be honest with your pastor. Hey, pastor, I'm not doubting my calling. I'm just having a hard time right now. Everyone's saying no. Um, and and I just I just am a little, a little frustrated or maybe I even feel a little depressed. That's the word nobody wants to say. Right. But man, you might, you might feel a little depressed sometime. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not feel okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Sure. I don't know if I just made an out Alan Shelbyism or not. I was kind of proud of myself for that off the cuff. <laughs> but it's just, it's okay to not feel the greatest, but 
you don't have any right to stay that way. Sure. You know, like in the Psalms, whenever David starts out some of those Davidic Psalms where he's really frustrated with God, Mm -hmm. uh, like Psalm 13, um, he doesn't usually by the end of the Psalm, he's better because he's praying to God and and God changes. He doesn't change his circumstances, Mm -hmm. but he changes his mindset. And one thing that, you know, Brooke is so sweet, like you said, and so flexible, my wife. Um, One thing she said, though, you know, when I was asking her, Hey, how are you doing? We've been on the road six weeks. It's, and you know, it, it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are six weeks of living on the road and living in people's spare rooms and living out of suitcases, especially if, if you have kids, it just takes a toll, right? That's all it's, you're not even mad about it. It just takes a toll. And so it, it catches up with you. And I asked her like, Hey, how are you doing? And that's important. You need to make sure that you're keeping up with your family and your wife, because you might be meeting with pastors and preaching and stuff. They're along for the ride. Yeah. Make sure that they're okay and, and, and take time with them and do vacations. Like when you're, if you're spending a week driving out West, do stops along the way that are intentional to spend time with your family. Um, but I asked her once like, Hey, how are you doing? And she's like, well, I just keep telling myself it's not forever. It's just for now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind when you're doing deputation. If, because if, it, it will take you a couple years, probably right. if, if you're, if you're lucky and the Lord provides and you get, and it only takes a year, then well, praise the Lord that that's not common. If it's going to take you a couple years, it's going to be challenging, but it's not forever. It's right. just for now. And eventually you'll raise your funds and you'll move to the field and you'll have new struggles and new problems. And maybe I'll do a podcast in two or three years when I've come through that right. part of my stage, you know, season two, season two, <laughs> right? Yeah. The struggles of landing on the field, <laughs> but, but the whole thing is, if you hear missionaries constantly say, which I did, oh, we loved our time on deputation. We just loved the time to grow together as a family and, and with the churches. Listen, there is an element of that, mm-hmm. but they're not telling the whole truth either right. because it is hard. It's hard having to live out of suitcases and and depend on you know the Lord finding you a place to stay the night and eating McDonald's over and over again because it's cheap, you know? Mm-hmm. Churches are good and people love the Lord and they take care of you. They really do. And I saw God provide in ways that I had never seen before deputation. Right. And the Lord works on your faith in ways that you could never get if it wasn't for deputation. Sure. But just know on the front end, it's going to be challenging. There's going to be some emotions. It doesn't mean you're a bad missionary. I guess that's what I'm getting across. Right, right. It doesn't mean that you're not cut out for this. It just means that you're feeling the reality of the situation and you just need to talk to your pastors and you need to spend time with the Lord and give it to him. Right. And you know, we're, we're men, American men, Baptist, American men specifically. That might, that might be the worst kind, right? So like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird for us to talk about emotions, especially yeah. when they're ours. Yeah. That's been the hardest part for me, honestly. But like that, that's probably incredibly important. Like not keeping your emotions bottled up inside. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, asking about your, your wife's emotions, but also telling her what you're feeling. Because a lot of times like... I found just in marriage in general, like when something's bugging your wife, if she knows that something's bugging you too, then mm-hmm. you're, then she knows you're in it together and, yeah. and, and, and you're kind of a team, you know? So like, that's a really good just point. Just being open and honest with the people you need to be. You don't need to be on social media, like broadcasting. Yeah. Like, I'm depressed. Like, like be smart. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. But like talk <laughs> to people who are important. Talk to mm-hmm. people who are working with you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and talk to the Lord. Yeah. And, and just in case anyone's wondering, I've had those conversations. I've came mm-hmm. home and I've talked, met with my pastors and be like, man, I, I'm just not doing good right now. Can we just hang out? Can we get lunch? And, and it's not because, you know, it's not because I felt like God wasn't calling us or even, I mean, our, a lot of our support had been raised. It was just mm-hmm. that it's just hard. 
Sure. It's just life is a struggle. And if you're going to give everything you have to the Lord and trust him to provide so that you can move across the world to do missions, it's going to be a little bit harder. Right. That's And that's okay. That's just the reality of it. Um, but just don't, don't let it build a, a root of... Uh, um, Bitterness? Yeah, sorry. I'm blanking <laughs> a little bit there. Uh, don't let that build a root of bitterness in your heart that springs into something that uh, uh, not only makes you carnal, but then doesn't... Maybe it takes the joy out of what you sure, previously sure. were so excited to do for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. And so, like, you know, we're kind of at the end of our, our list of things we wanted to talk about. And, man, mm-hmm. I just appreciate the fact that, like, you're putting in all this time and effort to talk about missions the way you are. Like, because there's, there's people... There's, you know, people like me who are prospective missionaries, I don't know exactly where God's pulling us. And that's kind of the next thing for us to figure out is where we want to go. But then, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully deputation is is on the list yeah. um, in the near future for, for Trisha and I. And so, you know, it's really, it's 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 good that we're starting to think about these things and that we're, we have friends and, and pastors and stuff that we can talk about these things through. Yeah. Um, just so we can get an idea of what it'll be like and start preparing and stuff like that. So. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing you could even do is like, if, if you're going to be a missionary or thinking about it, uh, talk to missionaries, they, they, they will talk to you. Um, mm-hmm. as you've seen from this podcast, they, they love talking about things they've learned and sometimes they'll be more candid with you just in a private conversation than they feel they can be on the internet or on Facebook because, because you're in that perpetual state of fundraising, you just are not trying to do anything that steps on anyone's toes. I mean, that's just a wise thing to do. Um, but they, they'll, they might be more willing to be open with you in private. And hopefully I haven't lost any support throughout the, you know, this podcast this summer right. uh, from being open and honest, but uh, thank you guys. So, and Corey, thank you for being a guest host today. I appreciate thank it. Thank you this for being really the good. guest today. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. I know this was a longer episode, but like I said, it is the finale of our season that we've done. Uh, hopefully we'll have more in the future, but for now, this is it. I hope you guys have liked it. If this was your first episode somehow, man, go back through and listen to some of those other missionaries. They have a lot more experience and wisdom to say than me. Um, this was just kind of the way to wrap up the season and talk about some deputation stuff that I have just learned as I'm coming off a deputation and getting ready to head to the field field here very shortly. So thank you guys for listening throughout the summer. I appreciate it. Make sure that you check out some of those resources, lffellowship.com about our fellowship and discipleship. You can find there. Um, if, if you're looking for Bible Institute information, go to lfbi.org to find out about the Living Faith Bible Institute. Check out our other podcast. This is a spinoff podcast from Theology Roundtable, where my pastor and uh, Jeff Bartell, is, along with Troy Stogsdill and Brett Bartlett and other guests, talk about theology and things that are important to theology and, and how to study the Bible. Um, check out that pod. You can also check out another podcast. It's called The Postscript Show. It's hosted by Brandon Briscoe from Midtown Baptist Temple, where he interviews interviews specifically pastors and missionaries that help contribute to the Living Faith Bible Institute. So this is all content that's out there for you that we want to make and put out there just to help you in any way that we can. So make sure that you find those other things because for now, this is all for the Missionary Roundtable. Thank you so much for listening and investing your time in this. I hope it was encouraging and challenging, and I hope that you that you are considering what your place is and your role is in the great commission that God has given to us. And if it is in international missions, man, praise the Lord. Because even if you're not going, man, you're called to be a sender and we're all called to hold the rope for those that are going. So praise the Lord if that's how you have determined that you're going to set your life. And if you are going, praise the Lord for you as well. Thank you guys so much. It's been a great time. We'll see you next time. God bless. 
Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.